Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Void where prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You, Social Interaction for the Mind and Soul. So for the next 25 minutes, we are going to talk about what Sherry told me I'm going to talk about. (laughs) And why are you pounding the table? (laughs) Because I feel like I'm a turnip and just got squeezed. (laughs) Um, Remember... Go ahead, finish it. <laughs> in a different world. Whether you're pounding the table or not, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So what are we going to talk about today, Sherry? Well, we wanted to <coughs> recap the four major, we call them the big four, um, criteria that we want um, to have not exist in our space and the space that we share with others in order for it to be safe. So we call this, I call this the big four because I have challenged probably tens of thousands of people to try and experiment to see if what I'm saying is true. So here's one of my rules. If someone ever in conversation with me, especially if I don't know them well, says, look at Rich, just trust me. I don't. Red flags go up, yeah. right? When well, someone has to you say, say that, trust me. Why do, I, why do you have to say that in order for trust exists? And I'm right? telling you, don't. You don't have to believe a thing I'm saying you try it because you're going to see something different that you've never seen before. You'll feel something different. And one of them is going to feel you'll be very frustrated because you're going to want to talk and you can't because you're following your rules. (laughs) Number two, you're going to think people are interested in you and they're not. They don't really give a dang about you until they know for sure you actually care about them neutrally. So what are you saying, Dr. Hammer, that we're going to try and experiment and I'm going to find out that people really don't care about me? Yep, that's correct. That's harsh. So here's the assignment I give people. Um, I ask them to try to go only 24 hours without an unsolicited opinion. In effect, I'm basically saying follow the rules of engagement to the T. Perfectly. No criticism. No unsolicited criticism. No judgment, no, no sarcasm, and no sarcasm. No funny sarcasm, even. None. No sarcasm. None. So this is how it went. I had a, a, a. It was really just the husband talking to me. Boy, this was a long time ago. Right. Um, and uh, his assignment was to reach out and start building a bridge of trust with his wife. There wasn't any, any trust at all. And he would tell me about how the conversations would go. And so he wanted, of course, me to fix her. And then when I talked to her, she wanted me to fix him. And I said, that's not how I do business. You work on you. You're not, this is not here about your spouse. So let's just call the husband John. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sally is the wife. So John's assignment was to hold 
um, a five-minute conversation with his wife practicing this and not offer an opinion without being asked. No unsolicited opinions, none. And he had to be neutral. And he also had to go a minimum of five layers. In Himmer talk, that means a minimum of five questions based on an answer she had given to one of his questions called permission interviewing. This is in the flippin' model, and this is in the TRC. So he said, all right, I'm willing to do that. Now, at the time, I'm in Colorado on business, and my appointment with him was during the time frame I'm leaving, I was way up, I was about an hour and a half north of Denver. Um, and I'm driving back, and that was my call, and he at the time was in London. So um, I pick up the phone and call him, and we're talking, and I said, all right, uh, John, how did your homework go? And he goes, oh, I got to tell you, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, I went a full 15, no, yeah, it was a 15-minute conversation with my wife, Sally. I did not offer an opinion, the hardest thing in the world, because she was wrong. She was saying things to me. She was judging me, and she was ripping on me. And I didn't, I didn't defend. tell her she was wrong. I didn't defend, right, which is yeah. in the me pyramid. Because defending almost never works. And at the end of the 15 minutes, I was so exhausted, I had to take a two-hour nap. I just woke up from that nap. He was so tired from not offering. He put so much energy into not offering an opinion. For 15 minutes. It drained him. Wow. And that's not unusual. That's the extreme. But most people will come back and say, I lasted almost no time. No one's ever gone 24 hours, by the way. It's just so challenging because it goes against what who we are. And so what we found is that people are so normed to offering. It's their dopamine, right? It's how they start getting their drugs. But when you refrain from it, and this is the other assignment I ask them, see how long you can go before someone actually asks you your opinion. Typically, people will get about a week or two into it and then quit. That's the that's the longest people go. Typically, most people will go a day or two and they say, forget it and forget the assignment. When I do it in workshops, people don't last through lunch. They just don't. <laughs> and then they come back and I ask them, oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't. They'll mess up before they even get out to lunch. I guess the question is, are they aware of when they make the slip? Like, oh, I just did that thing. And the point of the experiment isn't like to win and tell Dr. Hammer you've gone 24 hours free. It's really to increase your awareness of what your behaviors are that you are owning and how does that affect the space when you're having a conversation with somebody. We are hardwired to connect. When we don't connect, it hurts. When it hurts, we medicate. We are medicating by using, relating, judging, sarcasm, um, What's the other one? Criticism. Mm -hmm. I forgot it for a second. That's how we're medicating. Isn't that a sad thing? That the very thing you think is normal, that you're norm to, is actually a medicative process that's addictive in nature and is collusionary. You want to connect, yet you can't. And then you don't know why. Well, I'm suggesting to question your assumption and redo your container. Get out of the first half of life where criticism, sarcasm, judging, and relating is the norm. Move to the second half of life. Because... Those four, those big four, are no-based. There are no good relationships, no depth to the relationship. They shut down a conversation. No openness, right. You're not assuming or you're not questioning assumptions. Let's go to a yes-based environment. I'm open. I have a growth mindset. I'm willing to question assumptions. I don't have to be right. 
it's okay if I am. That's called being certain. But if I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm very confident you're wrong, I don't have to say, but you're wrong to feel good for, about myself unless I'm an addict because I feel good for a moment. Then it fades away because it's insatiable. So did I do okay on that one, Sherry? That was did a really good story? story. I know. I think it really helped. It really kind of showed what is that going to feel and look like for as we go through this process. Okay, we have six more to cover in this segment. Hopefully we can cover the sixth and then get the, the second part of the rules of engagement. So by definition, rules of engagement have two rules only. Rule number one, my job is to make the other person feel safe. Now keep in mind, another term for this is, this is my environment, my container or my foxhole. Those three words are synonymous. My foxhole in life when I meet people on an airplane, at the grocery store, uh, in a social event, in a business event, is to develop mutual trust and respect. In order to do that, my identity has to be that I can develop. I see myself in that fashion and I'm comfortable with who I am. I have self-trust and self-respect. Notice all the precursors here. This environment is very straightforward, all principle-based, and it works to the level you implement it. Okay, so let's do the other six. So this is just about that first rule of creating safe space. We also want that space to be free from persuasion. And persuasion means, do we want to read all six of them? We're going to go through them. No. Okay, just read the six. The definition of persuasion. Okay, persuasion. Let's just focus on that. It means to coerce or induce someone to do something or believe something that the persuader believes or wants done. There are two different definitions of persuasion. This one, which is collusionary, and the art and science of teaching. So often <clears throat> um, you'll you'll hear it in literature that, you know, of, they persuade a persuasive, a persuasive argument and things like that, which is not necessarily the same, which is to delegate the learning. So again, two of them. Persuasion is the induce someone to do something you want them to do. That's persuasion. But the other persuasion, and it's rarely used, mm -hmm. is to teach. Right. Okay. The first one we want to avoid, and right. that's where we're coercing someone. So when you think of like a persuasive argument, it's it's going it's to yeah, and relate. It's going to lay out facts and make a case, and possibly even leave some open-ended questions. It sure. doesn't necessarily have to come to a a right conclusion, but it's going to channel and open up an idea. But the other one is to force. Yeah, I use persuasion with questions, but they're neutral. I let you figure out where you're going with it. That's that's the optimal way yeah. of doing business. And that's the optimal way of raising children. Okay, what about leading questions? Those are manipulative. Okay, that's the next one, which manipulation means the action of manipulating someone in a clever, unscrupulous, unfair or dishonest manner, leading questions with expected answers shut people down and back them into a quarter because there's only one way. There's only only one answer possible. Parents, attorneys, supervisors, and bullies use such tactics as a way to compensate for their lack of social skills and to medicate the pain of not connecting. I hope those words felt brutal because people who engage with manipulative tactics and persuasive tactics, nobody trusts them. Yeah, trust just flies out of the window and immediately. There's a total lack of empathy, which is the <clears throat> second rule of my rules of engagement of feelings um, of being understood. So manipulation and persuasion are two big ones. And I still see corporate coaching done 
at the sales level and executive level to teach people how to overcome objectives or objections by using persuasion and manipulation. Because That's in the ludicrous. end game, it's like, get the sale, um, the close, close the deal, yeah, it's sign the contract and walk away and trust has nothing to do with it. Number seven. Condescension. Having or showing a feeling of patronizing superiority. Superiority? Superiority. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Sorry. Snobbish, haughty behavior. Bullies, people with low empathy. Empathy. Engineer type thinkers. Unconscious incompetence. Mm -hmm, can, can be condescending out of fear that they might be seen as not knowing everything. Um, they, they're in that must be seen as yeah, box. Yeah, Arbinger. Mm -hmm. People who <clears throat> condescend fear being found or having light okay, on there's them. There's two things I want to address here, Sherry. Yeah. Number one is the it's unconscious kind of incompetence for a second. Let me explain why I get on a soapbox talking about that. I have no problem with people making mistakes because I'm one of them. And being incompetent. I it's no okay. I have no problem with being incompetent. Again, it's that safe place of being able it's to say I'm wrong. It's when you deny that yeah. you're the incompetent. That drives me up a wall. And I have to work on this one. I, I, I accept that. Because when I deal with people, let's say I have a husband and wife. No, the best one is two parents who can't figure out why their child ran away from them. Both engineer mindsets. They are beyond the capacity to question the assumptions they did anything to drive their 18-year-old out of their house now for two years, runs away from them, and barely talks to them. Because I did everything right. I'm angry at that child. That child betrayed me. Those mm -hmm. are words from the parents. We love that child. He knows better than that. He should have done this. He should have done that. Are you hearing the words? Yet they sit here with a straight face in total denial that they have anything to do with that child. No assumptions are being questioned. I'm, I, they love their child. That's not the problem. It's that they're not taking the responsibility to reach out in a healthy way to bridge the gap of trust. And so the child stays in a harmful environment based upon the parent's narrative instead of coming back to the parents because it's not safe. I've had children leave at 2 a.m. in the morning and go into a seedy part of a town in a nearby town while the parents are asleep. And the reason why the child left, here's his reason, because I didn't feel safe at home. I said, but your parents are asleep. He says, I know, but I'm so tired of being told what to do and judged. It's so rigid. I don't feel comfortable there. So he goes to a very compromised part of town for hours saying, well, but it's safe there. Moms and dads, bullies, supervisors, leaders, CEOs. When you start understanding that if you don't create safe space, if you don't invite people in to be authentic, you're driving the greatest asset away. And I don't mean asset as far as an objective issue. The people who drive the business, you are not a CEO. You are not the best without them. And as a CEO, you're helpless without them. So that's just this is a very passionate because that's what my dissertation was on because I saw it done and it's been done to me. And I really loathe people who think they are without culpability. Oh, okay. Anyway. Now there's a, there's a lot of denial going on when you get to that condescension. Now people who condescend fear being have fear being found or having a light shine on them. We talked about shadows real quick. Um, a shadow is simply a false narrative. That's all it is. 
Richard Rohr makes it the best argument. He says, the closer you get to God, the easier it is to see your shadows. Well, if God or truth represents light and you're close to light, you have a nice shadow reflecting off you behind. So the closer I am to truth, the easier it is for me to see where my challenges are, where my false beliefs are. Notice I'm not talking about maladaptive behavior. I'm talking about the belief. But you don't also have to spend all your time facing the shadow. You face the light. And you're aware of it. So then you can make the mistake, turn the mistake into the retake. That's why the shadow's there. But if I lurk in isolation, I lurk in darkness. I don't see shadows. No. I'm unconsciously incompetent. So it's interesting where condescension comes in is that you're actually pushing pushing people into their false narratives. You're putting a false narrative on them, like the parents who aren't aware that their child feels unsafe even when they're sleeping. They're pushing them into a false place, mm. that seedy part of town, because that is not that child's authentic and best self. And it's not the parent's intent. No, it's no. It's they're unconsciously incompetent. Yeah. Okay, so I had a, uh, an appointment yesterday, <coughs> and the, it was um, an emerging adult um, in college, and he told me that since he's been coaching with me, he's starting to see things he never saw before. And, and one of the things he saw was that he cannot connect with his dad. His dad is the engineer mindset. He's unconsciously incompetent. And now the child is starting to recognize why I even coached him in the first place was to overcome some challenges that he had, which he's done. Um, but he could not do that in the environment in which his dad was present because his dad wasn't able to connect, didn't understand, never saw his part in the, in the role. And so it's pushed the child away. And there's no there's no way the dad wants that to happen. He's just not aware and he's in total resistance to the process. That's what I'm getting at. We all need to figure out how to connect upstairs and downstairs brains. But when we're denying, when we're running from the light, from the truth, from our God, from however you want to frame that, it's going to create a fallout. And that fallout is what happens when your loved ones feel disconnected to a point of ab abandonment. All right. So let's move on to number eight. Mm, shoulding, S-H-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. It's always good to spell that one. Um, is used to indicate obligation, duty, or correctness, typically when criticizing someone's actions. Parents, managers, supervisors, coworkers, and basically people galore can't seem to help themselves with their shoulding. It's almost like nagging. It's when you say, well, you know, you should do this and you should do that. And we don't even have to use the word should Mm -mm. To be to create a shooting experience. If I were you, yeah. Or why didn't you do this? So can I go historically back into the one that used to annoy me so much in our marriage? We need. Oh so, no, kidding! The we need statements <laughs> like this. This was a cloaked shooting because just a minute. <laughs> I was I was unconsciously incompetent. Well, and I'm going to say we all do this. We make a we need statement as in we need to disinfect the um the shower. Oh, as that? in we're all as a family <laughs> going to jump into the shower with sponges and bleach and do it together. No, that's not what you mean. You mean you want me to do it. it You're telling me like you should do this task or chore. No, tell me honestly, do not cloak it. 
if you want me to do something for you, say, would you do this for me? Invite me and let me have an opportunity to say yes or no. But when you say we need to do, and I'm not looking do, at you, do, and you never asked me do, to. Do we, do we need to work on this? No, 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 no. I'm going back. That's what I say. I'm going back historically to my frustrated point when you used to say, can we need to um, make lunch in the morning? I'm like, we're not going to do that together. You're lying to me for one. You, you could say, so would good. you make my lunch for me? Because I don't want to. Then I can say yes or no. And when I say yes to that, then it's a gift. But when you, we need, oh, that was just, whoa. I, I, I'll never forget, I was getting my oil changed. <laughs> you sure we you don't need to work on this? No, we've got it cleared out. You're really good about it now. But there were years of we need in my mind. I'd be going like, emphasis here. as soon as you would let those two words out, I'd go like, oh, my goodness, here it comes. So I was getting, <laughs> sitting in the waiting room getting my oil changed. And the the guy that's running the service counter is on the phone with his wife, and he started launching "We Need" statements to her, and I was and I just had visceral reactions because I knew exactly what that wife was feeling like on the other end of the phone. Relating, right? No, I didn't say anything. I was listening, but the feeling. You know what you feel like when your husband did that to you. Yes. Okay. And 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 it made me become very aware of like when people say "We need," they don't mean "we." Okay, I, I want to move on. Yes. <laughs> Number nine, controlling. Hmm. Well, <coughs> that means to determine the behavior of someone, to dominate, rule, or command someone. It's kind of like very close to shutting statements. Let it go. Rigid-based religions, parenting, a large bureaucracy, um, run by managers instead of leaders. Managers, lead, or managers manage things. Pe leaders, leaders lead, lead people. Snow plowing and helicopter parents push the boundary of civility and safety when they vigilantly prevent their children from making the needed mistakes that promote learning. Yeah, and I don't know that we need to go into too much detail. No. We have uh, still have some things to I, cover before and just, we finish. I'll say one thing. This is a positive that I reflect back on: is that we gave um, paid our kids. People used to think like we manipulated our kids, but we paid them for doing a lot of things in our home. And then we gave them a lot of responsibilities at a very young age, like age seven, they were buying their own clothes. Paid huge dividends, by the way. It, it's, it was the one thing because we gave them the freedom to make choices about the clothes they wore. And it took way more time for me as a parent to take one child to Goodwill and the other child to Target or wherever that they had choices that they made rather than saying, we're all going here and I'm making all the decisions for you. It took up way more of my time to do this as a parent, but they learned to make decisions and make mistakes with their money young. And they, um, they understood and became adults early enough that they didn't have to make lots <coughs> of expensive decisions. And I'm not saying that as a pat on the back to myself. It was just that watching them make mistakes was much Hard. better when they were young right where they had a little buffer from parents to help them along the way and they learned and initially they... it's hard to let them fail yeah. but it's the most important part they can't get up until they learn i i would repeat more opportunities for my children to fail in my home than not number 10 intimidation which means to frighten or overawe someone by being so 
miraculously wonderful, <laughs> especially in order to make them do what one wants. Which is really kind of what controlling does. Yeah. These are similar. Positional, emotional, or physical power breeds intimidation tactics out of fear because intimidator can get his or her way can't. without force or can't. can't get it without force. Sorry. So that's the point. You're not, if you invite them in, you fear they won't do it. So yeah. parents use intimidation tactics instead of inviting and teaching. That's what then goes to controlling, which goes to, to shooting, which goes to uh, manipulation, persuasion, condescension. This is the challenge. They kind of breed off each other. Yeah, they all, all of these do. The drive to be right and in control is a lack of social skills and a manifestation of false narrative that they can't develop mutual trust respect with others. And I kind of also think that fear of lack of control in social situations drives a lot of anxiety for people. So imagine holding a conversation with someone where they're completely neutral in their attitude and approach to you. Couples, parents, and friends would experience deeper trust and respect immediately if neutrality were present. If one can create a space that is free from the 10 maladaptive behaviors, then that person is free to be authentic and be right and be wrong, all without fear of retribution or judging. Now we have just a minute to conclude this. Rule number two in the overall rules of engagement, rule number one is feel safe. Number two is to feel understood. I'm just going to, to go over this quickly. This means that the person with whom you are conversing feels understood from a neutral position. No judging, sarcasm, or relating. In other words, you can empathize with their feelings, which by definition is the ability to articulate their feelings and thoughts through their eyes. It has nothing to do with your past experiences, feelings, interpretations, or biases. Empathy means you're out of the picture. It's the ability to set your personal bias and experience away, aside, and that makes for a pure understanding of the other person. Again, imagine being on the receiving end of someone who knows how to create safe space by allowing you to be completely authentic without fear of being judged, criticized, or told what to do or think. Furthermore, upon ending the conversation, you realize that your thoughts and feelings surrounding the topic or issue are completely understood. That's what I'm shooting for. If you have that experience with me, the law of reciprocity says the bridge between the two of us of trust and respect will start to be built. And the more I do it, the better it gets, the stronger it gets, the deeper our relationship. So to implement it, here's the challenge. Try to go 24 hours without an unsolicited opinion. Do the best you can not to offer criticism, judging, sarcasm, and relating, just those four. And go as long as you can, mark it, notice it, use your awareness journal. We'll talk about that in the next section. Be mindful of what's happening. I'm guaranteeing you the level to which you implement this is the level to which you're going to feel satisfaction. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll talk to you in the next section. It's a different world right now. How we live, work, and learn has changed. We're home more, online more. And at Post University, we understand all online experiences are not the same. 
We've been providing online education for 20 years and have graduated thousands of students. With our advanced technology platform and support team, with the expertise of more than 2,000 faculty and advisors to assist you, this is what online is meant to be. Text DEGREE to 47474 today to learn more. Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Void where prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company.